Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. If you're uh, a longtime listener, you'll know that we're missing a name there because Michael is running episode number two of a two-parter. He had a great guest on the last show who's continuing and going to be on this show as well. Michael, how are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you doing? I, I, I'm fantastic. I'm still jazzed about the last podcast. I, I would suggest, listener, if you're just tuning into this one, you did not hear the first one. I think the first one was a pretty good foundation for what you guys are going to be talking about today. Would, would you agree with me, Michael? I would 100% agree. Yes, you, you absolutely should should listen to part one of my podcast here with Chris Sarnik, who's back with us today. Chris, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. And excited for, for round two. Yeah, this is going to be, I, I was saying uh, that the part one seemed like it went by in five minutes. Um, so I think that's probably going to be the way that this one is too. But, you know, it's just so much content that you can deliver, Chris. So uh, let's just get right into it if if we can. And and for those that didn't listen to part one, Chris uh, Sarnik, he, he is um, a consultant and author of three books. The one that I have read, uh, Winning the War for Talent, um, was a fantastic book. I'm going to have to read the other two, actually. Actually, now that I know that you have two more, <laughs> Chris, but part one of of our podcast really dealt with this demographic shift that we're seeing now within, well, really the United States and probably other parts of the world as well, in terms of companies struggling to find key talent for their organization. And we spent a lot of time talking about that demographic shift and also some of the recruiting challenges or, or shift in thought process as it relates to how you might want to recruit key talent. And again, this is something that we work with every day with our clients uh, is trying to figure out how to recruit key talent for their organization. Because again, from our standpoint as being family CFOs for families, and when you do the math, if you look at a family's asset base, the the privately held enterprise, I think the numbers on average for our families usually represents about 75% of the net worth of the family. So we, if you're a listener to our podcast, you know we talk a lot about the succession of that business and protecting that value for the family and recruiting and retaining key talent is a integral part to that. So Chris, I know you're not going to spend so much time on the financial side probably, but I think what we do at Copper Beach and what you do for the companies that, that you work for really is a nice mesh. So uh, I think for part two, Chris, maybe let's start talking about a little bit, okay, we've now found that key person. How do we keep them with our organization? What could we do to make sure that we don't lose this awesome person that we've just found and spent a lot of time probably trying to find? Right, exactly. So, so let's talk about for a second why people go to and leave organizations. So, before we even get to the the job seeker, one of the, my favorite exercises for companies is to have them identify the cost of doing nothing. In other words, what's the cost of an open position in your organization? And and if it's not that cost is not represented as a denotation, it wouldn't be proper as a line in, but a denotation on your P and L. You know, our P&L tells us what to do. It tells us when to buy something, when to sell something, when to bring out a new a new product or service, when to hire, when to let people go, uh, when to sell the business. And so why would anyone take this issue seriously unless you first identify the cost 
of each open position in your organization and then represent it so that we have to defend it every single month to the family or the shareholders uh, or the board of directors. Well, in in concert with that, what's the cost of, of losing and having to rehire an employee? Sherm, which again, I'm a huge Sherm fan, uh, would tell you over the last 10 years, they estimate it's, it's 38% of a person's annual wages without benefits to lose and have to find, replace, and retrain somebody for that. So if you think about the number of people that you've lost over the given year, if you just take their collective wages without benefits, multiply it by 0.38, you would see the cost of losing and retaining talent. So what's the cost of doing nothing to retain and develop talent in your organization? You know, oftentimes we call it a hidden cost or a shadow cost. Probably doesn't feel like a shadow cost when you have new employees making big mistakes or or making your customers upset or not getting the truck out on time. And so the first thing I want you to do is, or encourage you to do is identify the cost of turnover in your organization, go do the math, and then start treating this problem with the same urgency you would a safety or a quality issue of the same magnitude. So think about this. If your turnover problem was $800,000 in the last year, or even if it was $100,000 in the last year, if you had a $100,000 safety issue as an organization, how would you be reacting to it? My guess, you'd be all hands on deck. We would have a special team form. We'd have KPIs on the wall. We'd have subject matter experts flying in from the East and West Coast. If you had a $100,000 safety or quality issue, we would be all over it. But not only don't haven't we figured out what the cost of turnover is, but when we look at it, we say, well, there's nothing we can do. No, there's actually a lot you can do. If I am known for any saying in this area around the world, it's this one. When people stop learning, they start leaving. Think about this. Isn't that true for you? The reason you started your business, the reason you moved from one business to another was likely that you had learned everything you could. Why do people move from supervisor to manager and from manager to vice president and vice president to president and then eventually start their own company? It's because those driven people are looking for challenge. They're looking for growth. Your talented people are constantly looking for a way to grow. In fact, what's interesting about that is that when you hired them, I mean, just think about this for a second. When you hired them, you screened out all the people who didn't want to grow. You screened out all the people who didn't have initiative. And so you filled your place with people who have initiative and are desperate to grow. And then you don't have a good development program. And you're asking me why they're leaving no, you you did it. We did it collectively. I was an HR manager and meet in Chesapeake corporations for a long time. And so we we have never done that because in my generation as a baby boomer, if you got a job, you just hung on to it. Well, that is not the case today at all. As a matter of fact, there's 10.1 million open jobs in America. There's only 6.2 million unemployed people. We're still 17,000 jobs short of where we were before the pandemic started. And you can't open a car door without hitting two no hiring signs. Why would any driven person who's desperate to learn and is not given new challenges or interesting ways to grow, why wouldn't they leave you? So the first thing that it's important for you to understand is when somebody transitions in. So let's talk first about when people first come into an organization. I'm almost begging you to have a mentor program for that person. Why? Well, two reasons. 
Number one, what we talked about in the last podcast is that everybody's job search starts with being unhappy. They were unhappy enough to leave all their friends. They left their manager. They, they knew where to park. They knew how to put in for vacation. They knew their customers. They knew their computer systems. And they were unhappy enough to leave all of that behind and come to, to work for the bunch of strangers. What I can tell you about human nature after 18,000 job searches is that human nature is pretty easy to understand. People, when they come to work for you, their first concern is not whether they're going to be a good machine operator or CTO. Their first concern is, will anybody sit with me at lunch on the second day? Just like, remember, in seventh grade, you wondered if anybody was going to pick you to play on their flag football team? The first thing that happens when people leave all their friends and everyone they know behind, they're trying to figure out if they've made a good choice. And so why wouldn't we have a mentor program to mentor somebody through, connect somebody to them that leads them through the first 90 day, 91 days of work? The evidence is overwhelming that if we can get somebody to the 91st day of work, then they will uh, stay an average of 3.4 years. And I'm going to, I'm going to, put a bow on this for you before we talk about it a little bit by saying I'm absolutely know I'm right because the United States military, the largest trainer of free thinking le leaders in the history of the world, just put a mentoring program in four years ago for new recruits going through the traumatic experience of boot camp. If the largest trainer of free thinking leaders in the history of the world think this is a good idea, maybe it's a good place for us to start. Yeah, I, I was not aware of that. That's that's amazing. The, the follow question I have, Chris, and and this we probably even maybe got into this a little bit at at our Vistage uh, meeting. We're starting to see, you know, this. Uh, I I almost wouldn't even call it an experiment anymore, but the the forced experiment at the beginning of the pandemic with people working remotely, and and that's something that has come up all the time with um, our business owners. It's come up in our firm as well. And how and and one thing that that has sort of been a corollary to that is you know maybe a firm wants to put in place a mentorship program, but they can't have that face to face connection because maybe they're working remotely, maybe because they're on opposite sides of the country potentially. So what what are you seeing within organizations that are maybe dealing with that, and how how would you build a mentorship program with this sort of other uh, issue that's sort of uh, out there looming behind everything? It's a great question. And, and remember, be careful of, of getting too excited about what you see on TV. Remember that, that the news on TV is designed to get you upset, scared, happy enough to keep you in your chair between the Milky Way commercial and the Tide Laundry commercial. So when we say everybody wants to work virtually, well, clearly that's not true. As a matter of fact, the New York Times 14 months ago came out and said that only 17% of everybody in America would work virtually if they had a choice which means you should have a program, a mentor program, which we'll talk about in a second for, for virtual employees. But remember, 83% of people don't want to do it. So please don't leap to the conclusion, oh my gosh, if we don't have a, a, a virtual offering, nobody's want to come to work for us. No, in fact, 83% of the population does want to come to work for you. And if you think about it, this podcast, you know, if you're sitting in an office at work today, then you clearly don't want to work virtually. You like the interaction. So that's the first thing. Don't get too tied up in this idea that everybody wants to work virtually because it's not true. But if you do have a, a virtual component, one of the interesting things to do is have that mentor 
try to uh, give some interesting problems for the online person to research and become an expert on. So one of the most interesting things that, that we find in the world of work is that people stay engaged when they have challenging problem-solving issues in front of them, right? When people get disengaged, it's when they're doing the same thing every day or talking to the same person every day, that whole idea of when people stop learning, they start leaving. What's fascinating about this in my research is that the millennial generation was raised overwhelmingly, the first generation raised by video games. Now, stay with me for a second, because it's going to make an awful lot of sense in just a moment. Every video game you've ever played in your life, the basis of it was problem solving, right? Find the key to open the door, get the clue to get to the next level, shoot the boss enemy in the certain sequence and make it vulnerable. So what we have, not only in video games, but in online learning in schools, is all based on problem solving because we know when we teach somebody to solve problems, we're teaching them logical thinking process. Well, if that's true, then if we give online people interesting problems to solve and for them to become wise on and then share that knowledge with people, not only do we keep them actively engaged, keep them learning, but also we can solve some of the really interesting problems that the organization have. And that person online is connected with people, not just because they're doing a job, but because they become a teacher or a valued mentor of other people in this organization as they teach them about that topic that they became knowledgeable about. Yeah, that's I mean, I've, I've never I've never heard the video game analogy, but that does make a lot of sense. Uh, and and you're right. It is all based on problem solving. So that that's um, not something that I would have thought of, but that's great. So how you know, one one other co- kind of follow up question to that, Chris, that was just in my head as you were talking is how do you build a or how do you see organizations build a um, a promotional track for, let's say, somebody that is joining a firm in, let's say, an entry-level position, and maybe they have that drive to continue to move up the ladder to maybe a management position. What 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 do you see firms out there uh, building in order to accomplish that? Because, uh, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you said that the average person leaves a job within three years. Is that, if I'm remembering our conversation? Yeah, we have we have 18. We, we don't have to guess anymore. The study has been done. The data has been collected. The conclusions are in millennials over the last 18 years, on average, leaves companies, not jobs. They leave companies every 3.4 years. Now, let me be clear. They don't want to. They don't want to leave every 3.4 years. But because the workplace has been set up mostly for Gen X and baby boomers, where we just get in to do the same thing every day and we just pull the plow and that was good enough for us we know that when they stop learning, they start leaving. And so what I teach companies is that I don't want people to tell me they want to be promoted. I want them to show me. So I I have a laddered approach that I teach to my consulting companies that for the first 18 months, and we talk about this on the date of hire, by the way, we actually hand out a a, a stair-step demonstration of how they can grow in the organization. For the first 18 months, we say, listen, your job is to become great at your job. You're going to have a mentor to connect you to people and get you stuff. But for the first 18 months, your job is to be really great at your job. Now, if that's not okay, let's talk about that right now on the date of hire. Let's let's make sure that that's an okay time frame for you. Because if you don't talk about that, when you don't, you know, if you don't promote somebody in the first nine months and they think they should have been promoted, 
you've never talked about it, they will leave you and you'll have no idea why. So we call that expectation management on the date of hire. So the first 18 months, you're going to become great at your job. If you become great at your job, interact with people well, the next opportunity for you to grow is to become that mentor I just talked about. In other words, from months 18 to 36, you're going to mentor other people in the organization who come in who are going through the same traumatic change that you just went through 18 months ago. You know exactly how they feel. I I create something called the Why Notebook with consulting companies with a series of questions that makes the, the new employee gets them to interact with other people in the organization. And we're going to connect them to other people in the organization by answering a series of questions uh, about working at this place. And why is that so important? Well, I can tell you there's another phrase I'm known for is that it's easy to leave a company, but it's really hard to leave people. And so the mentor, the first chance to grow is to become a mentor to other people. How about we see first before we make you the supervisor or shift lead or manager or grand poobah. By the way, Michael, that's a Flintstones reference. You can look that up online. It's probably a little bit too old for you. No, I remember. I remember. It was very okay. early on. But, so, uh, yes, so before, yeah. So how about we see if you you be a mentor. Let's see if you can be a good teacher and coach and trainer to somebody else. Don't tell me you want to get promoted. Show me. And so for 18 months, they're going to mentor other people in the organization to get them comfortable. And so you're not only uh, keeping the people who are new hires in, but you're developing the the employee who's been there 18 to 36 months as a good teacher, mentor, and coach. Because my guess is everybody on this podcast, if you think of the best supervisors, managers, and bosses in your life, they've all been good coaches, mentors, and trainers. And so before we give you responsibility, how about you show us that you can put somebody else's interests ahead of your own and you can serve in that role well. Now, that's the 36 months. At 36 months, there's a different opportunity. And that different opportunity is to become a subject matter expert in a topic. And I can keep going, but I want to make sure that, that if there's a question in there, I can answer it to you. But there's the, the, the next level I can explain to you is how to keep people for the long term. Yeah, well, I, I what I think in the, the term you use in the book is, is maybe career mapping. And I really like that term because, you know, and if you're setting this up, you know, I'm thinking about how powerful this could be when you bring on a new hire and you're laying this all out for somebody, they can see very clearly that there's, you know, a path to growth. Like you said, there's a path to learning that, and you're already instilling in them that, that you are viewing them as a long-term member of this team and this, and this organization, not just somebody who's going to fill a role for six months and go someplace else. You're, you're, you're instilling that at a very, you know, right at the beginning, which I think is great. Michael, I have client companies who are literally laying out this stair-step approach on the first day of hire, and they're actually inviting in the spouse or significant other of the person at the hiring moment. So that we show not just the new employee, but the family, that you don't have to leave us to grow, that, that your ability to grow is entirely in your hands. And there's an opportunity through something I call internal career mapping, where you can research and identify along the way as you're in this mentorship role, areas of the organization that you can, that you might want to aspire to in a higher level of service. And there's a there's a, a standard process that you go to 
to learning about those jobs, learning about the duties, tasks, responsibility, authority level, deliverables of that job, whether you're the right personality type for that job, what kind of problems that job has to hire. And it's a, it's a learning process uh, uh, about you, right? And if we know anything, it's we know that everybody's favorite topic to learn about is themselves. And so not only can we do internal career mapping where that person who has proven to us, remember first 18 months, they proved they were a good employee. The next 18 months, they proved that they were a good teacher, mentor, and coach. And the third, uh, after 36 months, we let them identify jobs in the organization that they can aspire to. Now, the reason this is important, Michael, is because because most companies have people that deserve to be promoted or recognized, but the company's too small. You just don't have any place to promote them to. As a matter of fact, if people are listening, if you just think in your own mind about somebody in your organization that is awesome, is been they're amazing every day, they've been with your company three years or more, and they deserve to be recognized or promoted. But you just don't have a place to promote them. There's only so many supervisor roles, so many manager roles. But the big one is think about that person in terms of if this person that you're thinking about wanting a development program for, if this person came in and gave their notice on Monday, your heart would jump into your throat. Your blood would curdle because life without them would be so difficult. We have to have a way for them to grow. Even if we don't promote them, we know if we continue to grow on an arc towards promotion and they have control of it, then they will stay. See, you hired people who were driven and had initiative. So so you don't have to lay out step-by-step, moment-by-moment to development plan. What you're going to say to them after 36 months is, listen, you've earned the right to aspire to a higher level of service in our organization. There's two steps to it. Number one, let's do an internal career map and identify a job in your organization that might be a really good fit going forward and let's start moving you towards that. And second of all, we can create something called subject matter experts. And subject matter experts are those kind of people who can actually take on a problem that's a reoccurring problem inside your organization and then spend six months, two hours a week on company time using all the resources of the internet to find best practices and benchmarks of other companies around the country that have solved that problem and then bring that solution into our organization and make one of those significant problems go away. So not only are you developing somebody in the organization on a clear path to growth, but at the same time, you're finding best practices from around the world, from the best companies around the world to make that problem go away so your company can be more profitable, easier, and you can sleep better at night. Yeah, Chris, you alluded to this a little earlier uh, when you were talking about personalities of, of people. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on I, because I, I love this this mapping process that you're that you're talking about. But what what happens if you hire somebody They're They're the great em- employee either they've they've learned their role and you want to move them into that uh, training or manager type of position. And they maybe don't have the personality to be able to do that for one reason or another. Or maybe they're not interested in that. How, how do you go about addressing that issue, I guess, with that employee. Yeah, that happens when you plant the seed in the ground. So there's a tool, like like companies out there that are listening to this, I'm sure you use very great tools, right? Um, Strength finders, disc, real colors, cultural index, predictive index, they're all really good, but there's only one of them that's free. And I've used it at least 10,000 times with clients in my life. It's a website called 16personalities.com. It's the number 16, one six 
personalities.com. And so in the hiring process, you can ask somebody to take this test and they take it in a way that shows you what they will be naturally gifted at going forward. It will be very clear to you that, that there's a certain path or area that this person's personality type will naturally fit in and grow into. What happens is what we, you know, it makes me a little bit crazy that we don't teach personality typing in high school or college because we have an 85 year research project. And now with the site I just gave you, you have access to it for free whenever you want. And please go vet it yourself, go take it and see if I'm right. But, but we have an 85 year research project over half a billion people that tells us if you, if we can identify your four letter personality type, it's absolutely clear on the way in the door as you're being hired. What roles will you can you can aspire to and be a natural fit in our organization? So you don't have to wait until they're in the company three years to know, oh my gosh, I wonder if they fit anywhere. You'll know that on the way in the door as you hire them. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I, I'm glad that you reminded me of that website because I did look at it, but I had forgotten about, about it since we had our, our group meeting. So I will definitely have to write that down and make sure that I stick it on a post-it note on my computer here so that I don't forget it because it is great and, and it's free, right? Because that's another, you know, impediment that I hear sometimes from our business owner clients is, okay, I have to, you know, I have to subscribe to this service and it's all well and good, but, you know, I, maybe I don't hire that many people that often, you know, this, this gets rid of that entirely, which I think is great. Yeah. And again, as we talked about in the first podcast, the first step, listen, I get it that your listeners who are business owners their plates are already full. They don't need more to do. But the first thing you got to figure out is what's the cost of an open position? And more importantly, what would your life be like if you had all the right people in the right seats on the bus? What, what initiatives could you get to? What products could you produce or sell? What customers could you get to if you weren't forever talking about the problem of people? And so I know that, that your listeners don't need more to do. Uh, but with the, you know, the almost 200 companies now I've done this with across the country over the last three and a half years, once I build that four person recruiting team and then I give them the four hours of virtual coaching as they implement the system to success, like the results are absolutely astounding and for, you'll have control over it for the rest of the, the, the life of your company. Yeah, Chris, I, this has been fantastic. I, I think, unfortunately, we're running a little bit low on time. We could, you know, I don't know if we could make this uh, a part three, but we definitely have to have you back on uh, in the in the future because this has just been such a great conversation, such good content for our listeners. And, um, you know, before we wrap up here, is there any final thoughts uh, that you, you might want to share with the audience about you and your firm or any advice that you might want to give? Right. So, so uh, again, the, the website is chriszarnik.com. Uh, Chris, C-H-R-A-S, last name is spelled Zarnik, C as in cat, Z like zebra, A-R-N-I-K, chriszarnik.com. You can send a message if you want to talk to us about helping us build that team inside your organization. And it's literally a commitment of one day and then four hours of virtual coaching. That's contact at chriszarnik.com. But start with one of the ideas that I gave you. I mean, the it's a $15 book that can literally change the course of hundreds of thousands of dollars of hiring decisions going forward. It's an audible book as well, winning the war for talent. Um, but I've given you a number of tools. Just take one, one of them spoke to you, right? One of the things, Michael, for every person listening to this podcast, one topic spoke to you. Go run with that and see if we're right. And if that's the case, 
and you want to talk about it more, I'd love to have that conversation. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris, so much for being a guest here. And uh, like I said, I think we'll need to have you back in the future for sure. That sounds like fun. Thank you. Chris and Michael, this has been fantastic. Love the second part. Uh, a ton of great information. I love that last piece, Chris, where you're like, look, just one thing tickled your ear. One thing made you think a little deeper about what you're doing within your business or within your company. Um, and I wholeheartedly believe that if they just take one small step and it, it proves positive, then all of a sudden they're they're off and running. So I, I think that that's great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Michael, of course, thank you for implementing this show, bringing this show to everyone. This, this show is worldwide. You know that, right? I mean, we talked about that before. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, this is fantastic. So hopefully John's listening to this right now in France. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> At least we know he can download it. All right. Well, Michael did a great job. Uh, when, when John comes back, we're, he's, I think he'll be impressed. I think, uh, you know, he's got a lot of, to live up to. He better be for <laughs> leaving me hanging here while he's out having wine. Exactly. Right. And he better bring back some wine. That's All right. It, yes. Again, Michael, thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the gentlemen come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.